to Who All Gonna Be There, a podcast by artists for artists. We talk cash shit about everything, sometimes we get messy, and it all counts as art, because we say so. I'm Mel, I'm a black woman, out here as an artist, and you know how that works. Had to work 50-11 jobs to stay up on paying the light bill. But there have been some changes to that, which I'll talk about later. But this week, I'm a water purifier, a CBD levels inspector, and a recreational <laughs> film ed- editor for Tyler Perry Films. <laughs> Excellent. Hello, I'm Maximiliano. Um, this was a drug maybe I'd used in a previous podcast, but my bio is in flux like the universe. Okay. <laughs> How to support NTP. <clears throat> um... Which is, which is always important and something we really appreciate. Um, we have a Patreon page, exclusive podcast episodes, which are only available behind the paywall, um, so we get extra messy. Um, you can also support Nat Turner Project on Etsy. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review, hopefully a good one, but whatever. And um, you can follow us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, Instagram. Um, also, if you have any arts-related questions, email them to us. We will discuss them on the podcast. If you have a review, positive or negative, mm-hmm. I feel like a negative one would be even more fun to talk that about. That would be pretty entertaining, actually. <laughs> um, please email us. Please email us all things, anything's at Nat Turner Project Zero at gmail.com and we will potentially read it on here and try our best to answer it to rebuttal to do whatever else one does with a comment yeah. concern and i'd like to add on to that i know that some of y'all listen to this podcast because i've talked to some of y'all about it please leave a review it like does something to the algorithm or whatever i don't care about that i just kind of want to hear your thoughts on the show so yeah email us 
Even if it's antagonistic, especially if it's antagonistic. <laughs> yes. All right. So tonight, it's just me and Max. It's been a while. We just wanted to let y'all know that we're still here. We're still strong. <laughs> um, and we'll get to why it's been uh, a couple months since we've recorded. <laughs> so, Max, how you doing? Um, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, 2020's been... It hasn't been bad. I mean, I feel like there's, you know bumps but i feel still mostly optimistic um moving into a new living um situation congratulations yeah thank you it should be pretty cheap rent um that's always good comes with a, a few um what's the a word idiosyncrasies of the house oh that <laughs> maybe, is that like quaint right maybe <laughs> add to what the reason why <laughs> the rent is lower um, now, well, I want to stop you there. For people who don't know Portland and don't know the housing situation, can you talk a little bit about that and how dire it is and how hard it is to find places to live? Um, it's dire. It's hard to find places to live. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like my Portland experience, maybe, I feel like maybe I, I could have tried harder okay. and found better things. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes I was just like, oh, here's something. Okay. Um, so I feel like most of my living has been relatively little sor- searching. Okay. And then um, for the last few years, I've just, you know, lived <laughs> with other people. Okay. Um, but but this one, I was able, I, was, I knew I was searching for a house um, or searching for a place to live, mm-hmm. ideally a room in a house um, free of encumberments or um, historical dramas. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> and then um, somebody, somebody I follow on Instagram posted about uh, a room, and I checked it out. They're chill. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think I'll be moving in in February, and, nice. um, and that should be nice to feel settled in that. And then I feel like I can start focusing on other things. Yeah, because you got a lot of other things. Yeah. Going. We'll talk to. We'll talk about that. Yeah. No, but like. Getting back to the housing situation, like, rent is sky high here. Like, I could, I lived in an, a one-bedroom apartment in Atlanta back in the day, and it cost me about $750 a month. It cost 560 when I moved in, and by the time I left, years later, it was 750 And here, you can maybe get a one-bedroom for, like, what, 1200 yeah, maybe. I uh, I had a micro studio for a year. I didn't even know that what that was until I got to Portland. Micro studio. <laughs> yes. You want to sell me a closet for eight hundred dollars? Right. I, I I found out the meaning of micro studio. Uh-huh. I found out the meaning of Murphy bed. What is a Murphy bed? <laughs> the bed that pulls down from. Oh the no! <laughs> Did you stay in a place with the Murphy bed? Yeah. So when I was still going to PNTA for uh-huh. I think um. Maybe my last year, or for like a year after, because I, I, you know, I first moved here. Mm-hmm. I lived in Gresham for six months. Yes. And then I moved to downtown, which was the micro studio for a year. Yeah. Which is right off Morrison and like 11th. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lived there for a year. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to a house in Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the place on Morrison, that was a shared bathroom situation, right? I had my own bathroom. Oh, okay. Um, and shower. Um, I had a microwave, but it was a shared kitchen situation. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I could I could wash my hands 
while sitting on my bed while the bed would be down. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a beautiful view of a brick wall <laughs> when I looked out my window and I looked down into an alley and I would hear the people from the bars across the street shouting, I think is the, what is it, Momos or I forget what And you're dealing with that your whole second year of grad school? Um, yeah, but it wasn't, it, it was now compared to where I currently live, it seems so peaceful and residential. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> where you live got shot at, right? Right, yeah, there was a shooting outside <laughs> of uh, my current apartment. Yeah. That happened to me one time. Um, uh, there was some sort of shooting um, in the house that I grew up in um, where my mom and currently still lives and the bullet came through the house in one bedroom went through the walls and came out in the bathroom shower oh my god yeah that's crazy <laughs> which is where we found the bullet yeah shit in the shower <laughs> yeah shit <laughs> that's crazy yeah but yeah portland is something else i yeah. i there are parts of me where i miss kind of living by myself just because like i'm 40 mm -hmm. um but I don't see that as a possibility in Portland. I'd have to move out to, like, Tiggard or Beaverton or some crap. Yeah, yeah. I live in Beaverton. Right. So. Um, um, yeah. But. So you're excited about the new place? You know, I'm quite excited to have some space and independence. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been, a, it's been a road, Melanie. Yeah. Since I've moved out of that apartment, that micro studio in um, Northwest, mm -hmm. no, I guess technically Southwest is like Southwest 11. Okay. Um, yeah, it's been a road of housing situations. I so. I have <clears throat> been privy to some of those housing situations. <laughs> I I know it's been interesting. Yeah, for you. so it'll be nice to just be a person with roommates. You're not, like, close friends with any of the roommates? Or um, one person's kind of, like, or one person is, like, in the art scene here. So that's how I found out about the house. Okay. Um, and it seems like it was the two other dudes that are in their 40s that seem, like, really chill. And um, they, like, have a band together. Yeah. And they practice in the basement. But it seems like they're good about communicating because they're like, oh, we usually practice Sunday night or mm -hmm. Monday night. And, you know, we'll let you know ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So they seem... Real chill. It all seemed real chill. Um, it seems like it's like I thought I've lived in every, I've lived in every squadron, but I'm still like you know I could still there's still so many neighborhoods I guess I haven't lived in. Mm -hmm. so I feel like I could potentially check off a new neighborhood with moving into this house. <laughs> Are you trying to go down a list? No, I'm not trying to because I'm like how long like is this just like a record of like how long I've been in Portland? Hmm. But the, or this they also say. This may be tangential. They also say Portland's the most promiscuous city. So it's like me. Wait, what? That's like there's like articles and stuff or like studies. And really? <laughs> this is news to me. I think I read it in the Mercury or the Will Amet. Oh, very reliable sources indeed. I don't think they could. I think there's, there was like a pie chart. I okay. Think, <laughs> accompanying it. I mean, if there's a picture. Right, yeah. <laughs> They can't fudge that stuff. I mean, no. <laughs> cool. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. So we'll see maybe it's a new page. Yeah, because you, your art practice is ramping up, so you're going to need, like, a like a healthy space where yeah. you have downtime. Yeah, I hope, I hope my art practice is ramping up. <laughs> well. 
And you're also out here trying to teach, right? Yes, I am uh, plugging away at imparting my um, knowledge mm-hmm. to to others. Indeed. In a formalized setting, I feel like I do it in my day to day for yeah. those trying to listen. <laughs> <laughs> personally like i learn something new from you every day (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i'm trying to get paid for it Mm -hmm. um so i feel like the longer i i exist outside of grad school without teaching the less ideal of a fruit i become Mm. it's like oh he's been however many years and hasn't taught at all i don't know if i'd hire this guy now it's been how many years since we graduated? Three? It's going on the third year, yeah. Okay. Have you, like, actively searched? See, that's okay, that's the other so side I of the coin, like, Mount yeah, Stevens. I feel like you haven't. So. <laughs> other than just uh, emailing, um, intimidating emails to, to faculty chairs. That's been, <laughs> that's been the extent of my I gotta pursuits. I got to tell you, from my insider knowledge... You won't stand out from the crowd doing that. Oh, was it saying you can win more bees with honey? Indeed. So maybe you just send flowers or chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's kind of where we are with things. And you want to teach what? Art. History. <laughs> I can teach math. <laughs> Well, if you can teach math, why aren't you doing the budget for NTP? <laughs> for the, our, our coming up project or in general? In general. Oh, yeah, well, I think you're stopping me from unsafe investments. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a sure thing on the forum. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Would but, you teach performance? Um, yeah, I try, to, I try to get that going with community education, but nobody signed up oh. for my classes. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe look into other institutions. Yeah, I mean, I've looked at PCC, but I haven't, like, applied anything. Um, Then it seems like maybe doing workshops is, like, a potential other route to, like, do in the meantime. And then also, I guess, actually applying to teaching positions is probably That probably helps. I don't think that you can apply by osmosis or, like, mental telepathy and send your... I'm trying, Melanie. I know. I'm out there trying to levitate the Pentagon. I know. I know. <laughs> well, as someone who who's a veteran and teaching for a solid year and a half or so, um, I will say that teaching is, it has moments that are amazing and transcendent when you can feel that you have, like, imparted a knowledge to a student that they're going to take with them for the rest of their lives. But it also is this all-encompassing thing that takes over your life. Like, there's no way to partially teach. Like, it becomes everything you do. And you end up giving almost all of yourself to it with no space left to make art things. Oh, damn. So, just something to consider. Yeah. Because I've seen you with kids. I feel like the same thing would happen to you. <laughs> so, they would take everything from me. Yeah. It's just how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess I'm open to other routes as well. <laughs> I mean, I think the workshops thing might be maybe look into some community centers yeah, and sorry. propose workshops. Sorry, give workshops. 
Yeah. What yeah. else is going on in your life? Um, what else? Um, moving, um, teaching aspirations, um, <clears throat> planning a performance for later in the year. Mm. Um, okay. maybe one of my other main focuses. But yeah. Okay. Sounds like a, you've got, like, a solid plate of things happening um yeah um i was at the end of the year last year i ended up going to uh i mean maybe we'll touch upon this maybe maybe i'll bring it up now um but um yeah i ended up going to caldera for yeah. a couple weeks and i feel like that helped me like reorganize like different performance ideas yeah um so actually so i am working on one for like later in the year but i like three or four other just like ideas in general that i would like to maybe start workshopping or start like yeah testing out or Make, making them upbeat other than just like notes on paper um so i'm excited about that which i feel like i i think maybe i've told you this like off of microphone already but um i feel like i you know went to caldera being like oh i'm a performance and video artist but like leaving being like i'm a conceptual artist yeah. working in performance and video mm. and then i feeling like that liberated me from performance but then having a bunch of new performance ideas yeah it's pretty cool. <laughs> like, I think it, it is a different way of thinking because, like, with the commodification of art, you're, like, as an artist, forced to put yourself into a category just to survive. Like, yeah. to write grants, to sell yourself for institutions or museums or whatever. But it becomes a dangerous thing when you start thinking of yourself in those terms um, because part of the job is performing that but remembering the thing that you actually do. Right. Like, yeah. I don't... I don't think of myself as an artist in any particular medium. I'm an artist that works in themes of race and critical race theory. Yeah. So. Yeah, that seems so much better than being like, oh, how do I explain myself in a certain way all the time when you're like, when you sometimes you forget, like, I can express myself in any way. Yeah. Um, but with the Caldera thing in mind, um, and knowing that you, you weren't able to go, um, I meant to get, I meant to do this back um as like a christmas thing but obviously like with time and stuff wait what's but... happening <laughs> oh no i wanted to do i don't know if on the air is more of a spectacle but <laughs> i'm gonna find it in my backpack okay max is going into his backpack for something this is not in the <gasps> this is a bottle of uh water from the oh new lake goodness. of Caldera. thank you okay, don't drink it but you know it's just a thing to have and what is this? Is it, it used Jack to be. Daniel? It used to be Jack Daniels. Nice. I, I went and drank whiskey instead of vodka because I thought like, oh, I'll be even warmer. But I feel like I should have stayed with vodka. But this is really sweet. Thank yeah. you. Welcome. Um, for those who don't know, and we'll talk about this later, I was invited to um, do a residency at Caldera, um, which Max was also invited to do, but I wasn't able to go. We'll talk about why. Um, but this is really nice. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> and I had been meaning to give it to you for, I guess, a month now. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what else is going on? Um, yeah, those are my things. I feel like I'm ready to get focused, excited um, for 2020 and projects. And mm -hmm. I feel like maybe it seems like these last 
couple years or a few times, I feel like I had maybe felt like, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to say distracted, but maybe, like, less motivated, and I feel like being at Caldera and, like, the 2019, like, ending, I'd been feeling, like, this hunger and fire inside of me, like, develop nice. again, which I feel like I hadn't felt in maybe, like, a couple years. Really? Um, yeah, at least for art and, like, for, like, Damn. wanting to, like, advance things. Yeah. And I feel, I feel that coming back, and, um, I'm ready to, like, yeah. maybe be, like, more fearless again. Did you meet any cool artists while you were there? Um, yeah, everybody there was, was cool. Um, somebody named uh, Shamika from Olympia. Oh okay. Um, I like Olympia. Yeah, it's I've never there. I've never been to Olympia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're a cool artist. Um, and 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 they were cool to uh to talk to. I had a city visit with them. Um, and then um I think you already know uh I ended up meeting and writing with their um yeah a rapper Mike Crenshaw yeah, yeah. Mike Crenshaw Oops. <laughs> Mike Crenshaw yeah. yeah. I've I met him. He's pretty amazing. He's doing some great things. Yeah, yeah, a rapper here in Portland, um, but from the Midwest, mm -hmm. but here for you know at least a few decades. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he was also cool. Um. Then everybody else was cool, but yeah, I mean, those are some standouts. Nice. Yeah, Caldera is. It's a really amazing place. Yeah, it was super beautiful. Yeah, I and was, it snowed while you were there, right? Um, not that much. Okay. It had like snow when we first got there, but it like pretty much melted. Yeah, maybe it snowed one day, but it didn't like really stick. Okay. It's just that we like drove off into some not used road. That's why there was like so much snow. Okay, <laughs> we got stuck. But I ended up staying in the director's cabin, which is the one that's like right next to the lake. And um, really, yeah, and that was I, like there's a cabin over there. Yeah, there's, like, you know, there's, like, the director's cabin, and then there's, like, the nurse's cabin uh, over by, like, where they... Do those have all the amenities and stuff? Um, for the most part, I feel like the heat and the A-frames is better, and, the, and they don't have a fireplace, so, like, some oh. of that stuff is, is in there, but, um, that, the view of, like, they have a big window that looks right onto the lake, so, like, <sighs> seeing the sun come over the mountains every morning was, like, I feel like Yeah, because you wake up at, like, four in the morning. Right, right, right. So, so I feel like I started forming, like, I started waking up when it was still dark. Because I, like, I would be scared of the woods at night, naturally, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I would close my windows at night because I didn't want to see anything. Yeah. And then um, I would wake up bef when it was still dark, and I would open my windows, and then I would just, like, sit there and, like, lay there as, it, like, it got slowly brighter. Yes. And, like, the sun comes up. <laughs> um, yeah, but because, like, that was my, also my first time to, like, be there alone because, like, you know, we had come. With like PNCA, like multiple people to the cabin, and then I'd been there with Ruben sharing yeah, you a cabin. Had the cabin all to yourself. Yeah, so it was like my first time to have like a space alone, um, and it was so it was so peaceful. Shit, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was super amazing. It was super amazing. I think everybody had, like that was there had their own. Didn't have to share anything. Oh man. Yeah. I have so much FOMO right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Damn. <laughs> I've been to Caldera many times. I've never had a cabin to myself. Yeah. Not no. many times. I've been there like twice yeah times. yeah it was my first time to have a cabin myself and it was cool Damn. and right on the lake yeah right on the That's lake cool. which was amazing but also like i was the only person on that side of the lake mm -hmm. so it got super creepy at night there'd be so many times where i need to go to the main space but i'd be uh, like i'd be like no i wouldn't either. that's not happening tonight no. <laughs> that is not no happening it is tonight. creepy there at night <laughs> and then i would like i would try to like talk myself out of it and like but at the moment you're crossing over the bridge it felt like this weird energy because a bridge is that kind of like 
crossing space mm -hmm. but then there's also like water rushing underneath it forming a water swell so there's like all this energy converging like right at the space and i'm like there's a ghost like literally tickling the back of my neck i'm like no i'm out no Deuces. yeah no, none of this <laughs> none of this but yeah it was, it was beautiful during the day but at night <laughs> did y'all have like dinners together um there were there was a few that i missed out on okay. because <laughs> I didn't want to cross over. Are like, you serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I may have engaged in a few things at Caldera that have may have like increased my paranoia too. That um, you know, I'm like every shadow is something. Yeah. Every sound is like, oh god, is it? This is it. <laughs> it's not hard to do there. Plus, the deer are roaming wild and free there. I was scared of deer at night. Yeah. It's my thing. So. Deer at night. Yeah, because, like, the deer in this part region of the country don't give a shit. They, I feel like they have no fear of people, and it freaks me out. Well, you're afraid of, like, being attacked by a deer? Yeah, it could happen. Yeah, I know, it could happen. Yeah. So? Even if it's, like, a small number, you would have been, like, one of those small numbers. I think right. so. <laughs> Just my luck. Yeah. Did you make work while you were there? Um, I did mostly that, like, reorganizing my mind. Mm-hmm. Cause I like I, I came saying I'm gonna learn how to do Blender, but um that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did I do? I finished um the uh, Shot of Sakor um autobiography. Oh yeah, um, that's right. Cause we were talking about it. I need yeah. to read that actually. Yeah, no. So that was good. And then um, yeah, I had time to just like think about my practice and like you know escape from the performance prison. Um, but I also have realized in this two-year uh, stretch of, like, maybe, like, being less motivated. I had, like, all these, amassed all these notes and ideas and stuff like that. So, like, a lot of the time was spent just, like, condensing that down, and that's where I did develop these, like, four or five other additional ideas, like, from themes or things that I started repeating a bunch. Yeah. That I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a solid idea that could turn into something. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it was a lot of that, a lot of just, like, distilling maybe, maybe, like, yeah, like a, a reorganizing or like a recalibrating of the last like couple years mm -hmm. and then coming back with distilling them into like ideas and organizing and maybe my, my thoughts yeah. which allowed me to think more um, future mindedly yeah. very cool yeah it sounds amazing yeah did you go to the that one grocery store at any point? Raise, yeah, we yeah. went to raise a couple times. Nice. Um, Which, if I'm not mistaken, has a whole liquor section. Yes, I went. Small towns always have liquor that, sections in the grocery store. That uh, <laughs> that is from Raise. Nice. Small town liquor section. Yes. Sisters, Oregon, which is designed like a pioneer town. <laughs> which is fun. Right, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah. Cool. So yeah. I feel right. like recharge for 2020. 2020. You're going to need it. 2020 is going to be a weird one. I can already tell. It's a leap year. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, snap. Leap year, election year, apocalypse year, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your own adventure. The title. <laughs> yeah, 2020 definitely feels like a choose your own adventure year. Mm-hmm. Oh, should I see you now? We should use, like, the Blade Runner text. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for asking. Yeah.
<laughs> Enough about me. <laughs> I'm sure you've had your own adventures and stories that you would like to um, share with us. Adventures is an interesting word for it. I would probably use another word, but... Um, well, first thing is, like, we didn't, like, flake out and forget to record over the last two months. Um, I have been dealing with some pretty serious health issues. And I'm a pretty private person, but I did kind of want to talk about this to bring awareness um, because it's something that I've had that went undiagnosed for like eight years and I could have died. Um, so just like as a precursor, back in 2012, um, I had this health situation where my body completely shut down. I had like all these gastrointestinal issues and I couldn't eat any food. I could barely keep down water. Um, I had like sweats and 24 hours fevers like constantly um, and because my insurance was terrible at that time the doctors weren't running the appropriate tests and they were basically saying you know just take ibuprofen and it'll clear up which um, it didn't for a long time. Um, eventually uh, even though it was never diagnosed after about Six weeks, it went away on its own, um, but I always kind of remembered that. And then back in the beginning of November, it happened again, but the symptoms were much more severe, um, and I had to be rushed to the hospital once um, because my fever spiked to almost 104, and then I had to go to the hospital a second time because my blood platelets dropped and I had to get a blood transfusion. Um, so they pulled my records, um, and after originally misdiagnosing me with the possibility of lymphoma, advanced lymphoma, they finally figured out that it was an autoimmune issue and that I have lupus. So I've basically kind of been dealing with that. Um, on one hand, it's an extreme relief not to have lymphoma and to actually have a real diagnosis for what has been wrong. Um, but it's also like thrown me into this kind of like, I mean, I lost two months. I couldn't get out of bed. Um, it was really bad. Um, and I have to recalibrate my entire life to deal with this chronic illness that I will be managing for the rest of my life. So that's a thing that happened, but I'm starting to get back on track and try to make up for the last two months that I missed. Um, it also calls into question all of the diagnoses I've had before, which were probably misdiagnoses, um, and are actually things that are connected to the lupus. So, yeah, that's what's been happening. So I've just been trying to, like, learn how to slow down, because even though there's no proof, I think that lupus is stress-related, um, and trying to take moments to do things for me that are healthy. So, yeah. What are some of these uh, slow down things you've started to implement? Like, for instance, um, well, I really do have, did have, like, at the time when this last inflammation happened, I had, like, eight jobs going. Yeah. So I've cut two of them down. So I'm down to six. So that's an improvement. <laughs> um, and instead of, like... I had this unspoken policy within myself that I would try to handle 
issues within 24 hours. Just take care of things, take care of things. I have now extended that to like 72 hours. Like not everything needs to be handled like right now or today. That's just not, it's not a fair thing for someone to expect that from me. And it's not fair for me to, to put those demands on myself. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I had no idea you had that expectation of yourself. Yeah. Because the reasoning is get rid of it so it's done and I don't have to worry about yeah. it. But that's not how it plays out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sometimes my thing is like I'll be like I'll do one email reply. Then if the email goes beyond that, I'll be like, oh, that's for tomorrow. See, you have an actual system. And I, like most people I talk to have like a system like that, which seems far healthier than what I've been doing. Yeah. So, yeah. You're developing like a different system. Yeah, I have to. Yeah. I mean, it's literally a matter of life and death. And how's that feeling? It's good. Um, I was originally on medical leave until March um, from my main 9 to 5 gig. Um, Which is the CE. Yeah. Community yeah. education. But me being me, I, I can't do that. Like, some of this stuff has to get done, and I just feel more comfortable doing myself. So I'm on, like, a reduced work schedule. You've already come back? I mean, I'm working from home. But you've already started doing CE stuff? Yes. Melanie Stevens. I, I mean, who else is going to do it right? I thought you had a backlog of, like, mini-zines to make. I mean, I'm doing that, too. <laughs> wow. Book of Missy, blackfempress.com. I just did a, another Book of Black Femme mini-zine for Missy Elliott, so you should buy that. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. I... It's, I'm a work in progress, Max. What yeah. can I say? No, no, that's, no. But I am probably going to... Okay, here's my, my master plan. Because I still got to work on Watershed. Right. Um, I feel like I can finish all of my CE stuff by the end of January. Um, applying for short-term disability. Because medical leave isn't paid in Oregon. So that's it's not. It's not paid. Okay. So I got to get a check in. Yeah. So I'm going to apply for short-term <clears throat> disability so I can actually get February off. Nice. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, the thing about, I don't have a whole lot of trust in the American health system for obvious reasons. Right. Well, obvious to Max and I and probably plenty of our audience, to be frank. Um, and in regards to lupus, it disproportionately affects women of color, um, particularly African-American and Asian women. Um, I have another um, health issue, fibroids, which also disproportionately affects um, women of color, particularly black women. Both of these things are under-researched and underfunded. I don't think this is a coincidence. Yeah. I also don't think it's a coincidence who it affects, really, because quality of life issues. So it's been really weird navigating the medical system. A nurse tried to touch my hair while I was in the hospital. <laughs> Just like she, un, did she did actually touch my hair. Just like unprovoked out of She's curiosity. Like, Can I touch your hair? And then she touched my hair. No. Yeah. A fucking nurse. Jesus. Um. It's hard navigating the medical system as a black woman. Um. And then like you pile on the fact that it's a chronic illness. I kind of have had to learn how to do that. Um. And that's been interesting because I'm a person who hates. The pharmaceutical system so i've avoided taking drugs unless absolutely necessary and now it's necessary for the rest of my life so that's a new thing um and 
they are not cheap. Drugs are not cheap. Like, and it makes me think of like all the people who have this, who don't have the resources I have, who just die. They just die because they can't get it diagnosed. Like I couldn't eight years ago, much less afford the medications that it takes to keep up with this thing. And then I also thought about, and this actually happened while I was while I was dealing with this. That have you seen that mugshot of Trick Daddy? Yeah. Okay, so Trick Daddy has lupus. <laughs> And a lot of people were clowning that mugshot because of his hairline, because of like his skin issues, and those are all markers of lupus. And he's been very vocal about how he doesn't take the medications, he self-medicates um, with cocaine. Um, but honestly, there are real reasons that you wouldn't want to take the medications. There are a lot of side effects. So it's just like this whole thing of trying to manage an already flawed system, but stay alive. It's been a journey. It's going to be a journey. Yeah. So, yeah. Shit. Sure. Yeah. And if there was like more money and more research, then there'd potentially be better drugs. Yeah. With like, breast cancer. With side effects. Certain kinds of breast cancer, particularly the ones that affect white women, very heavily funded. Yeah. Very heavily researched. People yeah. are doing like marathons for those every day. But the one that disproportionately, the kind of cancer, breast cancer that disproportionately affects black women, also underfunded, also under researched. This is the world we live in, I guess. Yeah. No. So. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's just like a knock-on effect. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's wild. Yeah. The medical system, the slow death. Yep. So, yeah. That's what I've been doing. Um, and one of the side effects of the steroids I'm on is that my mind is constantly going, which has been great for my art practice, so that's fun. Because <laughs> so, I can't shut it down. But, yeah. Does so, it make it harder to like, sleep? Oh, yeah, I can't sleep. I'm like waking up at like 3 a.m., 5 a.m., 7 a.m. I haven't gotten a full night's sleep all the way through since I got back from the hospital. I'm thinking about taking melatonin. My doctor said it was okay, so I might try that. If anyone has any suggestions, throw them out to me. I've tried chamomile tea or whatever. I've tried, like, I've avoided taking naps during the day, even when I'm tired. So, yeah. And it just feels like your you're mind's racing. Yeah. So do you make art, or yeah. what do you end up doing? Um, I've, I've made this Missy zine. Um, I've got a project going with KS Mocha um, about Harriet Tubman that I've been working on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm writing Watershed, so, <laughs> yeah. Would you want to talk more about the... Oh, and I've, I've learned how to embroider, so I'm working on this oh, really? embroidery, um, like, series with text, um, where I, I want to, like, the one, the first one I'm doing says Omnipresent Blackness. Yeah. Um... And I want to do it in, like, the cutesy style, but, like, text like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Is embroidery the thing you do with, like, the wood frame? Yeah. Okay. The hoop. Yeah. So is embroidery also done on a machine, or is that considered, is that There's, something else? There are embroidery machines, okay. yeah. Cool. But I'm doing mine by hand. Yeah. You know I'm all about the hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Would you want to share anything about the KS Mocha Harry Tubman project? Um, 
I am doing uh, illustrations for a timeline of her life. And the illustrations are going to be blown up really big um, and cut out on vinyl okay. and here to the wall. Oh, nice. Yeah. I may, I may be the one that hangs those up. <laughs> you might be. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of, uh, <clears throat> a lot of irons on the fire. Like at first, when I first got out of the hospital, out of, uh, after losing these two months, I was like really, really paranoid that I had lost hold on my art practice and like the art world. Um, and in some ways it has been like starting from scratch, but for the most part, I feel like I've been able to like step back up. Yeah. I feel like, um, being, being on the outside and being, um, uh, a person that other people would, would ask about you and, you know, being, um, with like Nat Turner projects and everything, there were so many people that were concerned. Mm. Um, and I feel like, yeah, the last thing anybody did was forget about Melanie Stevens. <laughs> There's like, where is Melanie? You know, we miss Melanie. We, miss, we wish Melanie was here. You know, I got the, the Ori um, Drinking Gourd Fellowship uh, opening. Um, everybody was asking about you. Aww. And, you know, and then ever since then, I feel like people were running to me like, how's Melanie? How's Melanie doing? Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, one thing that it, this whole situation has made me appreciate is, like, just how amazing and loving all of my friends are and how they rallied around me and they made sure I was okay um, and checked in on me. Like, I have complained a lot about Portland, <laughs> but the people here are some of the best people I've ever met and ever known. And I wouldn't trade that for anything. So, yeah. Yeah. I just wish I could take all the people and put them in a not <laughs> so problematic place. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's that been really, like, amazing. And that's that's also changed my perspective on this life that I live here, you know. Um, wanting to focus. I feel like before this happened... I was so focused on like work, work, work and getting things done and now I just I kinda want to take a step back and focus more on my like personal relationships and like like building and checking in with the family that I've like become a part of here. Yeah. That is higher on the priority list to me now. Like more social gatherings, yeah. Hangouts. Yeah. So I've been like calling up everybody I know and like Going out on dinners and lunches yeah, and stuff. Hell yeah. No, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. A bon viand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good. It's good to enjoy life. It is. That means we have to go to Fogo. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. We should do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like since the last time. Because I feel like the time before the last time I I ate so much food that I was like, oh yes, yeah. so, like I feel very like, I took full advantage of it. Then yeah. the most recent time we went, I felt like I didn't... I feel like I could have eaten more. Yes. Um, and now I feel like I've just been thinking about that. Like, why didn't I just eat more? <laughs> like, it's, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm tantalized. I'm taunted by salted, buttery meats. Oh, God. And just cuts of them. And just, like, these really friendly... These really friendly... Uh, waiters coming around making jokes remember that guy that came and didn't have anything on the yeah that's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> he had a whole description and everything for those who don't know max and i have a tradition um 
for taking ourselves out to a local franchise Brazilian steakhouse um, and celebrating after we have put on a successful event for Nat Turner Project. Um, we are scheduled to do. We were scheduled to do so after Drinking Gourd Foundation Fellowships um, uh, exhibit, but didn't because of the health stuff, and now because we have budget constraints. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we dream. We dream. We dream big. Yeah, we dream of the meats. We dream of all the meats, and there are so many. Yeah. Although we never did get that one, like, was cheese encrusted. It was like a Parmesan encrusted filet mignon kind yeah. of steaky thing. And it was there the first time we went, and we've <clears throat> never seen it again. Right, because then they bring it around like a Parmesan encrusted chicken thing. Nobody comes there for chicken. Stop bringing chicken to my table. Crusted pork. Who eats chicken at a Brazilian steakhouse? That's where they try to get you. That's where the amateurs are like, we're going to get them to fill up on the chicken. I'm going to create a, a little circular thing yeah. that says no chicken on it. So they know. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I feel like I feel like they give like maybe like the newer waiters like the less popular meats. Because oh. I, I feel like I see the same like disappointed like inexperienced faces just being like, oh, they didn't want the chicken. Like, oh, they didn't want the chicken. Oh, they didn't want the chicken. <laughs> So you think there's a hierarchy for it the seems, meat to get to carry. It seems to be, because I feel like I usually see the same guy with the chicken, and he always seems, like, <laughs> down. He's like, of course, just, I, I'm trying to, like, remind himself that it's not him, it's the chicken. <laughs> that people are saying no to, right? <laughs> Title. <laughs> but the more we talk about it, the more I'm just, my mouth's going to start watering and salivating. I'll probably end up eating McDonald's and being disappointed. Oh, God. Do you still <laughs> eat McDonald's? Oh, of course. I haven't eaten McDonald's since 2004. What? Except I I do occasionally, just for laughs, try to go and order the Blizzard or the ice cream just yeah. to see if the machine is broken like it always is. That's like, <laughs> you you love pain. <laughs> you love pain. <laughs> you know what I still haven't had? What? The Popeye's spicy chicken. I finally had one. No! Yeah, maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if, like, um, I had it through Postmates, so I don't know if that affected the... You were able to get taste. it on Postmates? It finally appeared, that's what I'm saying. Because I've been, like, since I knew that the, the chicken came out, the chicken sandwich came out on Popeye's, I'd been looking at Popeye's Postmates, uh -huh. and it never was on the menu. And then, um, just recently, maybe a couple weeks ago, I was like, oh, shit, here it is. Like, this is it. Like, I can finally order it on Postmates. Um, so I ordered it, uh -huh. um, I thought it was pretty good, it wasn't like, it didn't blow me out of this world, um, I, this was also at a, at a time, um, I'm not currently in this mood right now, but I had a period where I was eating nothing but chicken biscuits. <laughs> That's a thing? For like two months. Oh my god! <laughs> so I'd become very, like, particular, I'd been eating them from so many different places. So you places. were kind of sore. Yeah, at the time I had turned into one. Uh -huh. And I'd also come back from uh, Texas recently to where I had engaged uh, in chicken down in Texas. The food in Texas is next level. Um, but I still, I, still would, I still would give it above a 5 out of a scale of 10. And, like, I would still above give a 5? I would That's, still give it a 7. People, do you realize people were getting in fights and shit over this? Yeah. Maybe I, maybe I didn't have the best one. Like, See, I my, wonder about Postmates. See, that's why, like... My meat, like, you know, my meat wasn't even throughout 
Like, there is bites where there's definitely, like, barely any meat, maybe at least a couple. Oh. Um, oh. Interesting. That is not what has been described on the interwebs. Yeah. But, um... Maybe, like, in a different episode, like, I can prepare my nose and we can have a chicken biscuit review. Oh, my God. Can we do that for real? <laughs> yes. Okay. The next one-on-one, let's do that. A chicken biscuit review because... Yes. Because it'll encourage me to, to write up about the ones I've already had and then also give me motivation to continue my research, yes. my field studies. And we, I think it would be best <laughs> if you go directly to Popeye's to pick it up. Right. Yeah. Because, I don't know... I um this unspoken resolution I had with myself is I'm not doing any more of those uh, food ordering services because first of all they charge you a fucking ridiculous percentage. Yeah, no, I hate them and I usually like hate myself after I use them. Yeah. Um, and it's only I feel like I've only used them since I've been more um at the downtown place because I feel like I have like, less places around me. Yeah. To like easily walk to, I'm like, oh, maybe let me order Postmates and like my Postmates sometimes feel. Like, they can't find my address or they feel, like, weirded out. I know one time Ruben ordered a Postmates and she refused to cross the street. Are you serious? To drop off the food and she's like, no, it's too sketchy. And Ruben's like, just come to my door. Like, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. So did they refund him? No, they. she eventually, like, across the street and, like, gave him the food. She was, like, waiting in her car on the other side of Broadway um, and being like, no, that area seems weird. I'm not going to, like, come over there. And he's like, your Postmates, like, bring me the food, blah, blah, blah. So eventually she does it and then, like, you know, it's like, oh, this place is too weird. And then, like, leaves. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. And I feel like, um, I'm trying to remember when I first started engaging in Postmates, because I remember when I lived in Southeast, mm-hmm. ordering Postmates, but I don't remember doing it in Fremont. So I was like, was that before it became popular? Yeah. I usually what? ordered through Caviar. Okay. Yeah. See, I heard about that one before I even heard about Postmates, but yeah. I've never used it. It's okay. I feel like the fees are less. Oh, really? But it's still like there's a resentment with having to pay like a convenience fee. And then they have a thing for tip, and I'm like, well, then what was this fee? Like, yeah, and there's like a small delivery fee. If you don't order enough stuff, you pay more of a yeah. price. Yeah. What? It's ridiculous. So I've actually been cooking a lot yeah. more, That's which good. has been nice. Because, like, apparently the only place you can get decent fish in Portland is if you cook it yourself. Or you pay through the nose. At a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah? I, which is weird. It's a port. Portland. It's in the name. I would think so. Like, I was really disappointed to come to Portland that the seafood prices weren't cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but then going to Seattle, I feel like they were, like, more... They were cheaper, and I was like, oh, this is more what I thought Portland would be like. Right. Um, but, yeah, I was disappointed by that. And then... Um, I've always I've always enjoyed seafood, but I feel like my domestic situations in the last like four years have like prevented me from seafood. Um, somebody didn't like somebody was a vegan. Somebody else didn't like seafood, uh, um, so I didn't consume much of it or buy it because yeah. I've been more doing more cooking. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe I'll start cooking fish. Well, yeah, that's the thing. In the grocery stores, the fish are actually kind of reasonably priced. Yeah, I don't know why they're so expensive in the restaurants. It's interesting. I think it's like perfume. They can get away with it. True. Yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> Cooking's been really nice, actually. Is that part of your slowing down? Yeah. It's kind of meditative, you know? Yeah. And then I do, like, meal prep, so I've got food lined up for the rest of the week. 
so I don't have to think about that's it. That's always the ideal situation. I feel like that's me operating on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. But I really ever, <laughs> really ever get to that level. Yeah. I mean, this is the first time I've ever really cooked like yeah. for an extended period of time because I don't think we live lives where that's easy to do. Right. So I don't. I hope I can keep this up once I start back full time. Right. So do you feel like you've carved out more you time? Yeah, definitely. It's been really nice. What have been some of your like you time activities? Um, well, one thing is I have developed a breakfast breakfast routine. I have to take all the like ridiculous amount of meds, so I cook myself a nice breakfast and then I sit um, and eat and take my meds and I try to do that for at least forty five minutes in the morning. And since I wake up at eight, there's still a lot of yeah day left. Check so, you out waking up at eight. I know, right? Crazy. Yeah. But you, it turns out, you get more of a day if you wake up earlier. <laughs> that is so crazy. I know, right? <laughs> um, what are some of your favorite breakfast foods? Rice Krispies. Okay. I don't know why, but I really like it. Um, um, and I make this thing called a breakfast sandwich that I learned in how to do in college, which is a um, fried egg and cheese and a tomato on an Eng- on toasted English muffin. That sounds good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Sounds good. And what yogurt. I, what kind of cheese do you use? Here's the thing. <clears throat> I grew up on American cheese. I just like the taste. I can't manufacture that taste with the fancier cheeses. Right. I've tried the fancier cheeses and they just don't work the same. So yeah. I use American cheese for okay. that. Um, yeah, I, I grew up on American cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, I think later on it seemed like there started to appear other cheese, cheeses in my fridge. Yeah. Mostly it seemed like provolone. Oh, okay. Um, my dad started eating provolone, but I was still like an American, American cheese kid. Mm-hmm. And then um, this next thing goes into a double, a double point. Um, one of my most recent jobs was working at the sandwich shop, Taste Tickler. Yeah. So I had been a really long absence from American cheese. Because mm-hmm. I know I don't have moderation, so I usually just, like, have to completely abstain from a thing. So I don't, like, really buy things that I don't know, like, I'll go ham on. Like, I can't buy American cheese because I'll eat it all. Mm-hmm. Or I can't buy ice cream because I'll eat it all. Yeah. Um, but that's why I like running into it in, like, regular life. I'm like, oh, here's some ice cream. I can go ham on, but I don't have to worry about it existing in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so working at Taste Tickler, one of our cheeses was American cheese, and I was like, oh, man, that's like, it started sweating a little bit. It's like, oh, it's been so long since <laughs> I've been around American cheese. Like, I've forgotten, you know? And then before I know it, I'm, like, sn- sneaking a slice here, sneaking a slice there. Before I know it, it's, like, two slices deep. Um, before I know it, half the American cheese pack is, like, disappeared. And I was like, oh, this is what I loved about it. I love unwrapping the single plastic pieces and just, like, put it in, like, folding them into squares and putting them in my mouth. And you know what's wrong? You know that's a flavor that doesn't occur in nature. (laughs) But it's so delicious. It's so delicious. It's still valid as a cheese. It should still count. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've tried so many other cheeses. Yeah. I mean, I love, I think I love pretty much all cheeses. Oh, really? Um, There are some that I don't like. I love brie. Yeah. I love goat cheese. I love brie. I love brie. Yeah. Um, Brie became, like, my new American cheese. I started eating it all the time. Brie is this thing where, like, I love it, but I know I don't want to keep it in my house because it's too expensive to have it. No. They're, Brie is really expensive. No. So, yeah. But it's delicious. Some Brie in a baguette. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of baguette, do you know that they sell... Do you know Cheesecake Factory? Yeah. Do you know the brown bread, the sweet brown bread? 
I don't think I've ever been in Cheesecake Factory. You've and never been to Cheesecake Factory? I know what it is, but I've never been there. Oh, Max. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, I can't, in my 40s, I can't eat Cheesecake Factory any longer because yeah. it will probably kill me. Um, but, they, first of all, their, their menu is like 75 pages long. Right. Um, and about 25 of those pages are just devoted to the kinds of cheesecake they have. Well, that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> but, like, they, they're they like this American fusion Italian place, and their menu is, like, all over the place. But they have, like, this brown bread that's really sweet, like, wheat bread that's really sweet and delicious. And sometimes I just went just for the bread. No. But apparently, they sell it at the grocery store now. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, Cheesecake Factory brown bread? Yes. And Which you is, buy it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> I just discovered this last week. So, you know what I you're welcome. Yeah, well, maybe I'll <laughs> try it. Yeah. You know what I discovered recently um, is that you can make your own red lobster cheddar. They um, sell that. Yeah, I, I saw it. I was like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. And then I realized you have to add additional ingredients, so I didn't go and buy it this time. But um, I was still like, I was like, I made a note of it, obviously. Like, I'll come back for you. Okay, so you um, are going to make it. Can yeah. you report back right. on as, this here podcast? Yeah. As a little kid, like we would go to Red Lobsters like every now and then or something. Yeah. And I remember like I only I, I remember like the taste, but I also remember like my parents telling me these stories. Like I would just take mm -hmm. the cheddar biscuits and dip them in applesauce. And I got like I, I I can remember that. Can I tell you a secret about Red Lobster? Yeah. I still feel like a kid, like an excited kid, at the prospect of going to Red Lobster. When I visit my mom in Atlanta, I make her take me to Red Lobster, <laughs> even though She's so over that place, yeah. and she's grown so far past it. Yeah. But I still love Red Lobster. Yeah. It's still delicious. At least the one on Candler Road in Atlanta, Georgia, where I grew up, their Red Lobster still fire. When you make your mom take you, does she drive? Yes. <laughs> and then oh, yeah. she makes me promise to go to, like, one of the buffet spots that she loves. Oh, it's a compromise. Yes. <laughs> That doesn't sound like a bad compromise. I love buffets. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't been to Red Lobster in a while, but the biscuits. Still, they still, they still right. go. Yeah. So, yeah. If you want to make those and bring them in to the next podcast. I, I feel like, see, it's like when I have reasons, like, oh, now it's an assignment. Like, I'm not doing it for my own self. I'm doing it. For like a greater knowledge, yeah, it's in pursuit of something bigger than me. Of course, I'm like of course I'll, of You're course so I'll take this on. So much philanthropy. I just feel <laughs> the giving from here. Like... I just, I just want us to get to the next, the next point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, want to talk some pop culture stuff? Now, do you need any uh, a wine refill? Or yes, anything? please. For those who can't see, which is all of y'all, <laughs> Max has brought in um, some of the fanciest um, white wine in a bag that you'll ever see. It's actually pretty delicious. So, and he's pouring it on his laptop, which is making me nervous, but Max does have good hand-eye coordination, so it should be fine. Thank you, Molly. <laughs> I've always been considered agile. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's talk about Watchmen. okay yes please so, we haven't talked about it at all right no yeah we haven't that's right so i have talked about Watchmen with, with many folks some quote uncle woker than others <laughs> i'm not saying that this isn't a flawed tv show by any means but 
first of all, you put Regina King on a TV show or in a movie or in a book or on a pamphlet, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to love it. That's one. I feel like I grew up with Regina King. Yes, same. So, since Brenda from 227. So there's that. And she, like that show, wouldn't have been anything without her. That's one. Um, also, the depiction of the Tulsa Massacre of 1821. Um, while I am a person that goes out of my way to avoid black death and black violence, um, I did like the framing of American history through this one event as a narrative device. I thought that that was really interesting. Um, what else did I like? Yaya was very pretty to look at. Played Regina's husband. Also something else, but I feel like we... Are we going to go into spoilers? Uh, yeah, I think. I'll just talk about the whole season, right? So, yes. So, yeah, the Regina's husband, played by Yaya, I think his last name is Mateen. Um, very good-looking fellow. Um, but also, spoiler alert, he turns out to be Dr. Manhattan, which is kind of awesome. Um, what else? This, the production value, the cinematography, like... It was just a beautiful thing to look at. And I thought the story itself was a really interesting way to build out the original Watchmen. So those are the things I really loved about it. What about you? Um, so yeah, I'll preface everything I'm saying with, I've never read any of the comics. Yo, you didn't read the Watchmen? I've only seen the Aren't movie. Aren't you a comics enthusiast? I feel like you're required to read the Watchmen if you like comics. Maybe it's still on my on my watch list, <laughs> okay. on my read list. Um, but yeah, I've never read the comics for Watchmen. Okay. I've only seen the movie. <clears throat> so everything I think about the Watchmen is based on the movie. Okay. Um, I've seen it at least a few times. Um, yes, yeah, so love Regina King. But did you like the movie? <clears throat> I thought it was alright. I feel like I, I watched it at a time where I, maybe I felt more indifferent to it. Okay. And then maybe over time I've appreciated the, the grittiness of it, especially as, like, the Disney machine has continued to grow. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, I was struck by how black the show was. Even then, then still like a white writer or white showrunner. Yeah. Um, What's his name? Damien Lindelof. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I was like, so but that he had black and POC writers in the room. Yeah. Who checked him. Like yeah. I've listened to a couple of podcasts and read some interviews with him. And he he tried to build in a buffer. Of course, he got that check. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So I was I was very very surprised by the direction the show went. I did not see any of this. Dr. Manhattan's black. Yes. Um, you know, Regina King's the main character. Uh, um, what else? Vietnam being a state. I thought it was like a this crazy alternate reality. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the Tulsa Massacre, the destruction of Black Wall Street. Originally, like, you know, the first episode, I'm like, mm. what are they doing Same. with this? Like Where, the first like, episode, I was like, I'm going to give this half a half of the next episode for them to fix this right. and then I'm out. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, what are what is the purpose of this? Yeah. Um, um 
what's the old actor's name? Oh, um, um Lou Gossett. Yeah, Jr. Lou Gossett Jr. Yeah. Um, I feel like I haven't seen him in a while. I know. He looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's a minute where I thought he was Dr. Manhattan at some point in the show. I was like, is he Dr. Manhattan? Um, which could have been interesting, right. actually. But then he turned out to be Hooded Justice. Yes. Which, as somebody that didn't read the comics, was maybe like less Okay, can we impactful. talk about Hooded Justice? That yeah. was another thing I like. I like how they quietly just like, you know, like, basically made him like buy like and it wasn't like a thing that had to be a thing it was just that's what it is yeah and it wasn't i thought that was really elegant yeah yeah i appreciated that depth of the character that like mm -hmm. it wasn't just like oh his blackness is the thing that makes him different than what we expected mm -hmm. right um and um yeah so I, I i appreciated that whole um not again not reading the comics just thinking that this was all based on you know, like, new tr territory. Yeah. That there was no, like, indication of Hooded Justice being this. No, um, there wasn't. So I loved that. I loved that they, like, even went there. That, they, like, that idea that even came to them. Like, I loved that. I loved that. Yeah. Um, and even in that, that like, show within the show, I forget what it was called, but, like, the dramatization of, like... You know what they were making fun of with that show? With the, they were making fun of the movie. Oh, the actual Watchmen movie? Yeah. Oh, really? The, that okay. movie is not well-respected. In comic circles. Oh, really? And fanboy circles. Yeah, okay. It's regarded as a hot mess in general. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... Okay, well, what, people hold the Watchmen very near and dear. So The, the movie, comic. Yeah, the comic. Yeah. So they were never going to be happy with the movie. Right. But yeah, they go in pretty hard. Okay. So the, so the show within the show is making fun of the movie. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, then they even like in, within that show, within the show, they even show the hooded justice as a white guy, right? Um, which as this like chiseled, right, <laughs> like pretty boy, <laughs> and oh, and they they like make the reason for his ostracization that he's gay, right? right. In the movie, with yeah. the movie, yeah. So they're they're aware of his gayness, and they think that's the thing. But not his like blackness, because like oh, they don't they even realize that. Yeah. And then it's the moment when um, his son is putting on the white the white makeup that becomes a breaking point. Yeah. For um, his wife and the and the son to leave New York. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I thought like I I I thought that was like there's so many turns that I didn't anticipate, and they like went so much further. Than I even thought. Than you would um, expect. Right. And especially in this, like, yeah, this way that I wouldn't think from a TV show, um, which was, like, amazing. Yeah. Um, Not an American TV show. Though. Yeah. And um, what else? Um, I love Jeremy Irons. Oh, I'm yeah. Old. Just hamming it up. Yeah. Jeremy gonna be Jeremy. Um, <laughs> and then it seems like maybe this has always been the case, but it seems like the TV shows are more and more a way to, like, complicate or make the plot more intricate is by messing with time and, like, you know, showing all these different times at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, like, you know, catching on to the time shuffle. Yeah. Um, what other movie? Oh, yeah, The Witcher was the one that did that recently. You watched The Witcher. <laughs> I looked at the trailer, and I was like, not me, Satan. 
<laughs> it was one of those things, everything else I didn't do. I was like, where am I going to get my fantasy fix? My highly produced fantasy well, became you, the wixture. If you have Disney Plus. I don't have Disney Plus. Oh, okay. But I did watch The Mandalorian, if that's where you're going to get at. I have not seen it, but I've heard it's amazing. It's... Okay. It's good. It's not... I mean, it's not, like, amazing in, like, some deep level. It's still very much, like, apply, ap- appeals to, like, a wide range mm-hmm. of people. So, um, it's, like, a entertaining story, but it's still, like, the kind of serial Western yeah. in that sense. So, um, with, like, those kind of characters and that kind of, like... Are you, like, tired of, of Westerns? No, no, no. Like, I appreciate it here, but I hope it, it doesn't just say that. I hope it's... Okay. It goes deeper or... Um, because, like, obviously they're still trying to make it for kids and adults. Yeah. And um, maybe maybe that's, like, potentially holding it back. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But I feel like Star Wars can never get too dark in general. Yeah. It's like maybe if you want a dark sci-fi, just go somewhere else. Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. Were there things about Watchmen that you didn't like? Um, Things I didn't like. Um, I'm sure there were. Um, you want me to start? Yeah, 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 okay. sure. Things I didn't like. Um, I don't feel like race was explicitly handled, and I think that's a bit of a cop-out, especially since this whole thing is about the Tulsa massacre, right? I mean, okay, I feel like, no, I take that back. I feel like in the beginning they started out kind of strong on that, and then it dwindled. Um, I feel like in 2020, it's ill-advised to discuss Vietnam and have Vietnamese characters, which my housemate pointed out to me that they actually used a Vietnamese actress for that role, which is a plus for them, because usually they don't give a shit. For which role? Um, the true character. Okay, true. Yeah, she's actually Vietnamese. And usually they don't give a shit. They don't care at all. Yeah. Um, that's cool, but... I don't feel like that character had any depth. I don't appreciate the way they discussed Vietnam and the Vietnam War. It was super shallow um, and deserved better. Um, and then also this depiction of like police as like benevolent and like fighting for good. That's got to die. Like I'm just I'm tired. Yeah. You know. Did you feel like that's the police felt? benevolent and like they were fighting for good ultimately yeah right because regina regina king is yeah. a police officer um mirror face <laughs> um, right yeah what was, was it mirror face was no that's what um reflecting mirror or that's what she called him when yeah. she wanted to piss him off <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i really like that actress by the way the one who played silk specter yeah. too yeah um, yeah, that continued American mythology of the benevolent police officer. Um, I'm just tired. Yeah. We know that's not true. Right. So. Yeah. And even if you put a black face on it, it's, that's still what you're doing. Right. It's still a police officer. Yeah. Right. Which, I mean. Yeah, we that's a whole other conversation. In a different, in a different movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, shit. Um, I guess I felt like with the police officers, I felt uh, more of like a mercuring because they became like another mass gang. Mm. Um, okay. 
and then like upholding this lie as well mm-hmm. um which like obviously like yeah there's like these white supremacists but then they're merged with like some other truth yeah um but then like yeah like the police officers becoming just like a gang and then um um, what was the other thing? I feel like so the thing that maybe I was the most annoyed about was I felt like Dr. Manhattan could have, like, easily stopped all of that. And, like, I didn't know why he went along with it. And, like, there's so many moments where it seems like he could have prevented that, even, like, that last moment where he's, like, distracted and shot. It's like, there can literally be a million Dr. Manhattans if he wanted to be. Like, yeah. the idea that even the Mars one wasn't a real one is, like, there, he could have been a real one. Yeah. Like, we've seen that Dr. Manhattan can literally be everywhere. So, like... I mean, that's the problem with the Dr. Manhattan Right, character. the idea that there's, like, limitations to his power. Maybe I, maybe I could buy into this tachyon idea that, like, this specific thing is his, like, kryptonite. Like, sure, like, we'll give him a kryptonite. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But then the idea that he can't I mean, his kryptonite is that he's selfish, right? Ultimately, that's the problem with Dr. Manhattan's character. It's like, he doesn't know how to get past his own, like, ideas and thoughts about how things should be. Like, I think that's how he was originally written. Yeah. Which is why he ended up on Mars by himself. And I think the way they justify it is he sees all the possibilities at once, so he knows that nothing he does will work. But I don't know. You have a really valid point. Because I feel like... If he sees every possibility, then there's one possibility where it does work. Why? Because if he, there's every possibility possible, then everything is possible. So, like, if he's, like, this god character, then, like, if anything is possible, if any number of possibilities is possible, like, and he knows what to do mm-hmm. to make that possible, like, what's preventing him, this, like, tragic, like, I'm just gonna buy into one version of reality mm-hmm. where I lose, and, like... Um, but be did resigned lose, to that. Though? Maybe what right, he which, did is the one possibility. Right, which is like what the one of the things that does get me more amped up the idea of Regina King being Doctor Manhattan. Yeah, it's like that idea. Like, it sounds amazing as fuck. Yeah, that ending was fire. <laughs> right. I know people were pissed, but I liked it. No, I, I wasn't pissed at all. I was like, yes, like you know. I mean, obviously, like maybe I would have felt a little bit better if I had known for certain. But like, I feel like that's. Not and you know there's needed. not going to be another one, right? There's not going to be another one? Like he said from the beginning, this <clears throat> is it. This is a one-off. A single season? Yeah. I did not know that. And the, he confirmed it recently. Well, maybe I'm a little pissed now. Oh, really? I thought there was going to be a second season no. with Regina King as Dr. Manhattan. No, this is a standalone. Because I was even prepared for this idea of True becoming Dr. Manhattan. Like, what is going to become happen? But True for... is just power-hungry. Right, but I'm not, not like in a like an ultimate utopian way but like mm. oh here's our new villain like oh, now okay. true as dr manhattan what does that mean for like a second season yeah um so i was like ready for all these different like storylines that were going to be explored i guess in a second season yeah so i didn't i had no idea it was one and done it's one and done Shit. i wasn't completely satisfied with <sighs> nor do i think there was an actual resolution for the tulsa massacres yeah stuff. and like that the brainwashing me. stuff it seemed like it came up, you know, when he killed Don Johnson. Yeah. But then was it, it how was did it connect yeah. to something else? Yeah. Yeah. It, there's just so much life there. I hope that maybe they do, like, some sort of comic spinoff. That would be cool. I'd read yeah. the shit out of that. But, yeah. I mean, it was one of the most amazing things I've watched on American television. Definitely. Because then, yeah, like, what if Regina King is Dr. Manhattan? Is she going to stop caring about her kids? 
like are they gonna like you know now that they she's like their only parent are they gonna like have to like deal with somebody else or is yeah hooded justice gonna become their caretaker um well, why is Hooded Justice still alive? He's like a hundred and something. Yeah, I thought they were going to explain that he had some sort of like additional yeah. power. Yeah. And that like he actually wasn't like confined. Like I thought it wasn't going to be like a mind control thing. It's like he's actually not confined to a wheelchair. I thought they were going to reveal that he was like tele, te- like uh, telepathic. Yeah. Or it could do like a telekinesis. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't. They didn't go with that. But like, I, th- I thought there was going to be something more about to explain more than just yeah. he had a flashing light. Yeah. And is that the first American depiction of, like, a vision of what reparations would look like? Yeah, reparations. Yeah, maybe. I, maybe I have to do a, a Google search. I don't think I've ever seen that on TV. Yeah. I liked the little appearance of Skip Gates. Henry Louis Gates. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. In the, in the, <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> in, the, in the library. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's crazy. Maybe... Maybe that makes it seem more real. The idea of this Hollywood president existing for so long. Yeah. Um, well, in the original, um, I believe... Yeah, so I think he became president in the original comic, so it was kind of like... Oh, like in the comics, he, yeah. Robert Redford becomes president. Yeah. Oh. And that was a direct... I, I think the comic came out in the 80s, so it was a direct reference to Reagan being Right, right, yeah, yeah. Who was also an actor. Right. <laughs> so. I think that Redford turned out to not be as problematic as Reagan did. Yeah, it's more or, left-leaning. It, I think it would have been interesting if they changed it, if they had changed it from Robert Redford to Clint Eastwood or something. Oh, shit, sure, yeah. That would have been more apropos. Because <laughs> that man is a raging racist. Right. Despite being married to women of color. Currently? <laughs> he, like, married somebody? I don't know if he's currently married to somebody. But he's had ex-wives yeah. that are women of color. Yeah. Wow. Um, Eddie Murphy on SNL. Yeah. I, now, I didn't watch the whole episode. I watched clips on YouTube. Okay. They were pretty funny. Yeah, no, I wish I had rewatched them before. Um, yeah, I feel like I enjoyed it. He seemed like, because remember there was that SNL, like, anniversary party where everybody was expecting a lot from him, and he gave, like, a five-minute speech. Yeah. And then everybody was like, what the fuck, Eddie Murphy? <laughs> Um, but then it seems like he's reinvigorated, like, he seemed to, like, be in love with, like, doing Dolomite, and, um, you know, he seemed to, like, he seemed, like, really chill when he was off stage. but, like, it seemed like he was giving it his all, and, like, the skits, um, you know, doing all his old classics. I only know them from YouTube videos, I never, like, saw them in the times. (laughs) I saw them on VHS cassettes. Okay. Because, obviously, I wasn't around in the set like well i wasn't of tv viewing cognizant age yeah. when he was in yeah, his he was, what, like 81 or something yeah. yeah i was like two yeah <laughs> and i think so yeah there's the um the mr robinson mm-hmm. um which skit parody. i thought was brilliant right i love that one yeah <laughs> the gender gentrifications <laughs> Um, and then there's 23, 23 people who thinks that their dad is me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like, getting the TV. Um, that was funny. And white guilting his neighbors into <laughs> not noticing that he stole their giant right. TV. 
<laughs> his gentrifying neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the, oh, the, the one where, like, a polar bear attacked the North Pole. Oh, yes! And he was an elf? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to tell you my name. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> He's, I mean, he's definitely still in his funny bag, which makes me wonder even more why he stepped back so far. He just felt like he didn't need to do stuff. I guess he probably didn't. And because he was saying, like, oh, I have a bunch of kids, I have to, like, make money. He does have a hell of a lot of kids. He's got, like, ten kids. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, ten kids, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the Gumby for the Masked Singer. I've never seen the Masked Singer. Yeah. It seems so I've ridiculous. I've never watched it either. But, yeah, like, my parents watch that show. Oh, really? <laughs> It just seems so ridiculous. Um, yeah, I liked the the monologue, Tracy Morgan, Chris when Rock. they all came out. Um, Dave Chappelle. Funny. I don't think I've ever seen Dave Chappelle on SNL. No, I don't think so. Um, so that was funny. That was cool, but it also felt like a kind of bro dude, you know, yeah. deal. Yeah. Like, why wasn't Leslie, Leslie Jones out there? Right. Is she still on SNL? Yeah. 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 I watched her special on... Um, Netflix. It was pretty funny. Oh, is it? She had a whole moment where, like, she was talking about herself as, like, a 20-something-year-old. Cause she's, like, in her mid-50s. It looks amazing. Yeah. Um, And she's talking about Tevin Campbell. And, like, yeah, none of the white people in the audience know who the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> and then she went, she started singing a Tevin Campbell song, and all the black people in the audience sang along. Oh, yeah. Where was it? <laughs> Do you know where she was performing? Oh, I don't. Oh, yeah. That's funny. But that was a great <laughs> moment. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was really good to see all of them out there. That was cool. Tracy Morgan. Yeah. Keenan was out there, but people cropped him out of the photo when they posted oh, him on the internet. That was a big thing. Yeah. For us. Like, that was a Twitter moment for a second. I feel like he's been going around recently. I would because, like, I think... In, He's by far, like, the longest reigning, like, cast member. Yeah. But I think he's starting to have a TV show. Oh, really? Um, like, some sitcom, maybe on one of the networks. Oh. Okay. Um, yeah, and he seems so chill. He seems so, on a, like, on not, like, unaspiring, but, like, he's so... Like a career. Content, yeah. Yeah. And, um, talks about, like, you know, like, having money, but not, like, being, like, insanely rich and, like, you know, like, oh, like a whatever car, like, my kids aren't, like, crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's funny, like, yeah, um, thinking about how long Keenan Thompson has been around, like, all that, yeah. uh, Keenan and Kel, good booger, yeah. good booger. There was that time he was advocating to get, more, like, black actresses, like, he was like, I'm not playing anymore, like, black female parts, Yeah. and, like, part of me was like, was that, like, you know, you know, Yeah. but also it did make SNL hire black women, right? which is kind of cool. Yeah. I've always been wondering, because, like, I feel like they hired, in reaction to that, they hired, like, Shazir Sameda, mm -hmm. but then she was only around for, like, one season. Yeah, which does not... Both and then I was wondering, like, did something happen? I, I, like, oh, always de something definitely happened. The meaning to, like, read into it. You don't give up a know. gig like SNL unless right. something happens. Yeah. And the fact that they they hadn't had a black woman there since Maya Rudolph. Right. Yeah. Um, and Leslie Jones is leaving. I think I read somewhere that she's leaving. Oh, for, like, Greener Pastures? Probably. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I feel like, aside from Kenyon Thompson, most people's, like, SNL stint is, like, four or five years. Or... I don't even think Eddie Murphy was on there that long. Yeah, I think, but I think he had conflict, and that's why he left. Oh, wait, did he? Is that why he never came back? Is that why this is the first time he I don't came? know if that's, like, the full reason, but I think I, he, like, either, like, 
Chevy Chase or Bill Murray were like mad at him, his rising star, and then he was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do Are movies." Are you fucking kidding me? I feel like I should like reread the stuff to be, but I think there was something there with like one of those dudes, either either one of those That's dudes. Not surprising. And, doesn't Chevy Chase have a or reputation? Maybe, or maybe it's Chevy Chase and Bill Murray had conflict. Okay. Um, but yeah, Chevy Chase had a reputation. Because he had some shit with, like, with Donald, community. Right, Donald yeah. Glover. And um, yeah, like it. he yeah. was very similar, I guess, to his character on the show. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there was something that happened with Eddie Murphy that made him like leave the show early. That explains why he didn't. I wonder what they had to pay him to get him to come back. Yeah. Or he seems like, he like he was ready to come back, though, too. It seems like maybe he was like... Well, he's got a Netflix comedy special coming, I think. Oh, does he? So maybe he was, is pressed. Yeah, because it wasn't that part of the monologue was like, they all had Netflix money except for (laughs) Tracy Morgan. (laughs) I'm kind of excited about that Netflix special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know Tracy Morgan has Walmart money, so he's fine. (laughs) That's funny, but also sad. Well, he he makes jokes about it. So that's okay. <laughs> I didn't make a joke about it. I'm just saying, like, I know. Do you know if there's going to be another season of Last OG? Because I actually enjoy that show a lot. Um, I don't know. What is it? Three seasons now or something? The second season ended. Okay. Um, because I, I remember watching like a few of the first, like the first episodes, and then I think watching maybe a few of the beginning of the second episodes. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. Um, I think the white stepdad, um, I'm trying to remember the plot of some episode. Tracy Morgan started cooking. Yeah. Um, something. He wanted to, like, get a food truck. Yeah. Um, shit, maybe I don't remember <laughs> the plot that well. Yeah. Um, I remember one where they watched, uh, like, Tiffany Haddish character, his name's Shay, right? Yeah. Where they watched her, like, pregnancy video. That's the first episode okay. of the second season. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope there is a third season. Yeah, no, I've all, I've I've loved like Tracy Morgan for a long time. Um, he's also a Pisces. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I've always wanted to like write a paper about his character Biscuit. He's like character he used to do in his like early stand up, uh, Def Jam comedy, um, stand up shows. Really. Where it would be like this character Biscuit who is like. Uh, angry and like aggressive, but we're like really just like misunderstood and like sad. Yeah, it was like you know, because it's like comedy, but then there's like this really like deep truth to it. Black comedy. Yeah, I think that happens more in black comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, so this. Sorry, so, white people, but it's it's kind of a fact. <laughs> it was just like so good, but so sad. I was like, shit. I was like, mm-hmm. and then I mean, Brian Fellows. I think. Oh, Brian Fellows. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember that one he did, Brian Fellows did with Britney Spears, where they sang a song together. That should go in the time capsule yeah. for America. <laughs> and this was like Britney's heyday before life happened. Yeah. So. I have, I have this weird kind of empathy for Britney Spears. I can't explain it, but I feel like... She got a pretty fucked up deal. Yeah. I mean, she's probably rich now. Right. Cool, but like. Yeah, she seems fine now. Yeah. Right. She's bounced back from everything. Yeah. Um, she has a full head of hair. Next. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Unnecessary. She has, what, two kids? Yeah. Um, 
people play her music again? She's popular again. Do they? I think so. I think she has like a steadier listening than maybe at other points in her. I think she's like past a decline. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you want to talk a little bit about Bombshell? Because I'm never going to see that movie. I saw the movie Bombshell, <laughs> um, which is a movie with Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie, um, Charlize Theron, um, about Fox News and Fox News, Roger Ailes. Um, it's about the 53%. Um, <laughs> Nicole Kidman plays Gretchen Carlson. Um, Margot Robbie plays a fictitious character. Um, Charlie Theron plays Megan Kelly. Um, and then John Lithgow, John Litho, John Lithgow plays. I didn't know he was in it. Roger Ailes. Oh, really? Huh. <laughs> um,. So I only, yeah, I only knew about the story from, like, articles and stuff. I never, like, watched Fox News. Um, always seemed very annoyed by anything I ever read about May and Kelly. Um, so I came into this movie, I guess, skeptical but curious about um, what this was about. And then it seemed very, like, a very Fox News version of a Fox News story. Like, um, talking about, like, sexual harassment but making it sexy. Um, and, um, what else? So, I feel like they didn't, they didn't try to, like, make, um, Megan Kelly likable. I feel like she was, like, still, like, the focus of the movie, mm -hmm. but they still showed her, like, unlikable sides. Like, they still showed, like, the clip where she was, like, Jesus is white, Santa's white, come on, kids, you know, you already know this stuff. Um, <laughs> like, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so they showed her, like, being that way. But then they also showed um, that, I guess, Gretchen Carlson is the first one to, like, really stand up against Roger Ailes, who's, like, the head of Fox News, yeah. who, like, runs it for Rupert Murdoch. Um, and how he's, like, the super, you know, creepy old dude that's really about um, sensationalism, the 24 hours news cycle, and, like, he pretty much created Fox News as this, like, conservative... Um, propaganda machine not really concerned about like news but morally concerned about like pushing a conservative agenda mm -hmm. this was like roger ailes and like his whole mechanism since like fox news came out was like how do we push the whole country like right or like get people scared right and it's like the idea of like whatever will like arouse your grandfather or like scare your grandmother is like a fox news story <laughs> um so that's like they ran with that and it wasn't like really about news it was about like salacious things and um so obviously this creepy dude's like putting like uh, attractive women in front of the camera as like newscasters and then like expecting things from them in order for them to climb mm -hmm. the their career ladders and stuff like that and um it seems like there's this entire system like so many other places that weren't fox news that we you know we found out about um this entire system in place to funnel young women to roger ailes um you know, secretaries and scouts and locking doors, remote remote control door locks, like all these kind of things, and this like grooming grooming act of like slowly like grooming somebody to like do more things. 
Um, so it was like about all that stuff, which was like, uh, you know, creepy, but, um, then, um, yeah, so then, yeah, Roger Ailes, um, Bill O'Reilly, who's a newscaster, news anchor on Fox News, has his own shows, is also one of the people taken down. Roger Ailes is like the, in charge of Fox News, but Bill O'Reilly is an anchor, is also brought down, um, by Gretchen Carlson, who starts, who starts it, um. And then I guess she finds out that it's easier, like, in New Jersey, she can sue Roger Ailes Mm -hmm. without having to sue Fox News, Mm -hmm. which, like, lets the Murdochs off the line and, like, makes it a much easier fight versus, like, suing the whole Fox corporation. I can sue this individual. You can take um, out the person, but you can't take out the Right, so here she is still, like, this really rich white lady that's able to, like, hire the lawyers to even find the loopholes to be, like... Yeah. Oh, in New Jersey, if we, like, live in New Jersey, we can sue Roger Ailes yeah. individually and not have to worry about suing the corporation. Um, so Gretchen Carlson is fired um, cause for doing radical things like appearing on TV without makeup, which is crazy for Fox News. Um, so doing things like that, like, make Gretchen Carlson seem like some, like, raging, like, liberal um, <laughs> in Fox News and stuff like that. So she's eventually, like, fired, and then um, that's when she starts her lawsuit against Roger Ailes. And then, um... Because she couldn't, she couldn't sue him while she was working for Fox News. I think she was, like, waiting to see. Like, it was one of those things where, like, it seemed like she knew she might get fired because okay. she was, like, pushing the envelope. Yeah. Um, but, um, and wanted to sue and, like, you know, was prepared for this potential, uh, unjustified dismissal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, when she found out that she was fired and then talked to her lawyer, she was, like, and their lawyers were like, oh, you can see Roger Roger Ailes specifically. You don't have to worry about suing Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the route they went. And then eventually Fox even got behind them, or at least the Murdoch sons um, got behind them. And then all these other people started coming out. Former Fox employees um, started coming out against Roger Ailes. And then like Bill O'Reilly and like other people, like all these stories. And then eventually, near the end, Megan Kelly also comes out. But that becomes, like, the nail that, like, um, the final nail in the coffin that, like, ends Roger Ailes. Um, but she seems like she wastes, like, a long time. Yeah. And there's, like, a lot of clips in the movie where she just, like, has a very Republican view about, like... Because, hmm. um, like, she... Margot Robbie plays uh, a fictitious character but is, like, a younger um, producer trying to, like, work her way up. She's, and, like, an amalgamation of right. all the... So pictures. she's the one that, like receives most of Roger Ailes, like, um, abuse and stuff. Yeah. And then Margot Robbie's character is like, why didn't you warn us? And she's like, and then Megan Kelly, um, Charlize Theron's character is like, you need to find that out for yourself. It's not my job to warn you, which seems so, like, gross and so, like, exactly about, like, that Republican, like, everybody's for themselves mentality. So she seems, like, very much like that, but, like, in this, like, perverted way where, like, I'm not even going to, like, look out for you. Yeah. And, like, I don't believe in, like, any form of solidarity. Um, so they, like, do portray that, which, is like, isn't, like, a good look on character. Um, hmm. So kind of kind of the movie. All right. <laughs> Sounds like you enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if I enjoyed it. I feel like I was curious to see, like, how this, like, other half lives. Yeah. Um, but it still seems so weird and so crazy and so, like, nfl and so, like... You know, spectacle. And yeah. Flesh and, you know, like sex and, um, 
these like gross men in power patriarchy yeah <laughs> and um even though like roger ells is out there still this whole system and like fox news is still taking and even though like megan kelly left right she tried to become a today show anchor and they really pushed that she really there. tried to mainstream and then like, they're like you're and still they, too crazy like yeah, and they fired American her public was like nah yeah well she got paid out roger ailes got paid out too yeah like yeah. it wasn't like this triumph against right. him he got paid like 40 something million dollars yeah they said there was like those like post credits like what happened to everybody oh, really? so they're <laughs> like over i don't remember like the numbers like over x amount of like women complained mm -hmm. and they got like um 64 million dollars and then the payout to to roger ailes and bill o'reilly ended up amounting to like 65 million dollars so the ridiculous. fact that like they still pay the people they fired more money than like the hundreds of women yep. that complained and like a lawsuit's more money is like sounds about white yeah like these, <laughs> these two these two old dudes these two old like creeps yeah we're still like paid way more jeez to like leave and retire in peace or whatever yeah i'm sure they'll be back in some form or other yeah right i'm sure they're gonna be like on some podcasts <laughs> touche <laughs> touche max <laughs> so have you seen queen and slim i have seen queen and slim i too have yeah. seen queen and slim what are your uh, opinions about queen and slim i think that the two actors Jodie Turner-Smith and Daniel Kaluuya are very beautiful people to look at. And that is what kept me going through the whole movie. I think that there were moments and kernels of goodness, but they got lost in the 15 different storylines that Lena, Waite, and... Melina Matsukas were trying to tell. And I think also that they didn't bother to bring in any consultants about protests and police brutality to assist with the narrative. And it shows a lot. And also, um, it's good to see Bukim Woodbine. He was pretty fly. And that black fur at the end, I kind of wanted to be him. Um, and also, who the fuck's idea was it to splice and edit a love scene with a police brutality protest? That was a bad fucking idea. And also, we deserve a happy ending, y'all. We deserve happy endings in our narrative. I don't care... What the fuck Lena Waithe says. Um, that's what I've got right now. Um, so would you say you were <laughs> disappointed with the film? Because I feel like I remember talking to you be before about it, and you had so many hopes and expectations, and mm -hmm. your spirits were very high. They were, which was stupid. Because <laughs> I, had gotten, I had gotten warning from folks not to go in with high expectations. Yeah. And still, I thrived. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, so I thrive. Yeah. Um, by the last 45 minutes or so, I was just begging for the movie to be over. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it wasn't, like, so bad it's good. Like, this new Tyler Perry movie on Netflix is so bad it's good. Oh. Um, it was just <clears throat> borderline offensive at times. 
Like, it's just weird. Like, I have questions for the white writers and why they made the choices they did. What did yeah. you think? Um, yeah, I feel like maybe I went in expecting something else. But then I think there's part of me that was glad it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. Because I was expecting, like, a lot more violence and, like, shootouts and, like, a lot more of, like, a body and Clyde situation to where, like, every stop they they run into, they have to, like, shoot their way out and, like, are, like, shooting their way to the border kind of thing. Yeah. Um... So, like, part of me was glad about that, because, like, later I thought it was, like, it's, like, I like that I appreciate that these characters aren't necessarily, like, violent characters. It's not, like, oh, we kill a police officer, and all of a sudden, like, who we were before that breaks, and we become these people that just start murdering other people or, like, robbing people and, like, become these, like, outlaws, right, when, like, that's not who they were before that. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that, like, here is this, like, one act that um, made them have to be on the run, but it's not like they became people that were committing constantly, like, other acts that, like, continued them to have to be on the run. Yeah. Um, so I appreciated that. I appreciated that there wasn't, like, a, maybe, like, a loss of, like, who they were beforehand. Um, I do agree that, um, I felt so weird and uncomfortable and surprised about the protest scene and, like, really, like, this, this handling seems so out of character. I would expect so much more of, like, that protest scene it seemed weird, it seemed gross, it seemed, like, the the black cop and the black kid, yeah. and it's like, and then all of a sudden he has a gun, and, like, we don't know anything about this kid, they throw him into, like, the last third of the movie, yeah. and um, he's, like, like, I can understand being, like, a teenager, early teenager, and, like, really getting, like, high on this, like, idea of these people, so I understand, like, him getting, like, really pumped up on this idea of, like, Queen and Slim, as he's, like, traveling, like, fugitives. Um, but then for for that to, like, lead to, like, I'm going to shoot this cop in the face, like... The fuck? Um, so like, that was... I couldn't settle with that. Um, yeah, I loved... Um, um, what did I love? Um, there's other parts I love that there's like maybe like there's times where I felt it was kind of slow, mm-hmm. but then like other times where I appreciated like the slowness. Um, the there I feel like there's moments where it harkened to like other movies of like a car driving. Yeah. Um, it's like a extended road trip. Right, right, right. Um, there was like yeah, I didn't appreciate the ending of this like of this guy selling them out, but then it seemed like yeah, a black is, guy. Right, but then it seemed like is that the fitting ending? That thing where it's like like, money is the ultimate thing, and, like, are they trying to show that, like, oh, we'll fuck each other over for, like, a payday, and then I was, like, maybe they could have, like, nuanced that by, like, maybe showing more of the guy's reason, like, maybe he had, like, needed a reason for, like, all that money, or, like, more than just, like, counting it with a shotgun in his lap. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, like, like, give me, like, what, he must have had a reason for that more than just, like, wanting to get, like, another payday. Um, so, yeah, I was, like, there's like there was like kind of like really like core themes that I felt like as like f- coming from like black creators I didn't think I would have to wrestle with that I that I ended up having to wrestle with it like yeah. well, what is this depiction? Yeah, like I think that Lena Waithe has had a lot of grace and headway because she has been first at so many things. 
but watching the movie made me question her particular perspective. And given the headlines that came out today about her, um, <laughs> no judgment, but uh, she's tabloid fodder right now for personal reasons. What are the headlines? Uh, she divorced her wife of two months. She, well, she's in the middle of a, like a splitting of her wife of two months, apparently because she um, is a cheater. <laughs> so... That's like celebrity stuff too, too. Yeah, it's like is that getting high in your own supply? Is that mm-hmm. buying into the? And then there was the stuff the that hype. happened with the show, The Shy, with a sexual assault or harassment of one of her co-stars, where she claimed she didn't know what was going on, which is clearly a lie. Yeah. Um, and it was proven to be a lie. I don't know. Shit, yeah. But yeah, you no, you're right. You would think you wouldn't have to deal with some of the issues that appeared in that movie with black creators. But right. one thing I'm learning more and more, especially over the last decade or so, is that we're all anti-black, you know? We're all anti-black by virtue of growing up in this fucking country. And it takes work to unlearn that shit. And if you're not doing the work, it doesn't matter what the fuck color you are. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like, I mean... In our reality, I think about, you know, um, Judas and his 30 pieces of silver. Mm -hmm. Um, I always go back to, like, on some level, because I think it's, like, there's, like, a comicalness to it, but then there's this, like, really, like, grounding truth to the... I go back to the Monique on Breakfast Club interview. Her, like, her, like, parting statement about, like, Lenard, you know who you are? Like, you're the guy Mm -hmm. that goes from the master's house and, like, picks out the, like, the woman for, and then brings him into the master's house. Like, that's who you are. And I was like, on some... Listen, that, that interview is a moment. Like, it's actually, like, you know, my, if you're watching this, I printed, like, a still from that interview. Yeah. Um... I think we should all go back and listen to that interview. Yeah. I mean, on, like, the full interview, there's so much going on. Like, yeah. um, there's so much going on through that interview, but even, like, just that one part, and it's like, and then, um. Charlemagne. Man, yeah. That is a character I still can't wrestle with fully. I don't understand who that character, because it's definitely a character. He's definitely performing, right? Yeah. That's not and then, who he is in real life. Yes. Um, to speak to that, uh, going back to, um, when I was on my way back from Caldera, um, mm-hmm. driving back with uh, my Crenshaw, um, we were actually for like maybe an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, listening to Charlemagne's book on tape. Are you serious? Oh my god! Um, so I was at a part where he was still like, Wait, "What's the name of the book again?" Um, it was whatever his first one was, "The Black Excellence," or because um, I think he had That's his second a weird one. Pun, right? Charlemagne. I think it's like maybe Black Excellence or. God, book. Because the second one's about like anxiety. Black privilege. Oh, okay, Black privilege. Yeah. Which is, I call horseshit on that title. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's mostly about him still like the end of his like um, knucklehead days and like starting out as like a radio personality. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. Um, the whole title is Black Privilege. Opportunity comes to those who create it. Right. I think that, I think that sums it up. <laughs> that sums it up. I bet he's a Republican. <laughs> it might be. And then he probably like probably promote it. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, like no, yeah, that that whole thing is like at what point 
like because i you know you wonder this like as artists too and like on some level like in this in this operating in these same worlds is like what is what is your price like at what point like how many dollar signs does somebody have to put for you like will you um you know characterize an experience or um be some type of facilitator for exploitation yeah you know you hope to never be that but like even maybe if, in a way that you're not even aware it's happening i mean even with us with nat turner project there have been moments which like that have crept up on us where we're like oh shit is this what's happening and it's it's because the system is so like inextricably linked to everything that you have to like work really hard not to become a part of that thing yeah yeah and even then, like... Yeah, like, I feel like, yeah, like, you can be vigilant, but it seems like the further you want to get into a thing, the more you, on some level, have to adapt to the you, thing. You do. Right. You have to take those hits. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But... Hmm. And then I, I, I feel like, I mean, this is maybe tangential on, like, maybe the first time I've thought about these connections, but, like... Is it this idea that, like, you know how, like, how they try to, like, instill um, responsibility in the individual? Um, I'm thinking more specifically coming from, like, a stance of, like, oh, it's our individual responsibility to recycle. And then it's, like, but it's, like, we're moving all blame from, like, these massive corporations that, like, had they enacted, like, healthy earth principles, we wouldn't have to be worried about, like, sorting our Gatorade bottles from our vodka bottles or whatever. Yeah. And, um... And then it's like, is that the same thing we're doing? We're like, oh, we're over here as these individuals, like being like, oh, how are we uh, participating in anti-blackness? How are we like trying to like get a leg up? And um, this ladder that's maybe like standing on the back of other people, mm-hmm. and then potentially like um, regressing or like um, pausing our own selves, and then like not really focusing on like the real things that are really stopping us. Or really keeping us in place and it's like the idea those things keeping us in place are like the same things that being like you need to focus on yourself mm-hmm. and like what are you doing to stop to stopping yourself and people around you versus like what's existing that's stopping you that's even making you think that you're the thing that's I that's mean, like impl- uh enacting that's true. this yeah this system yeah <laughs> i wish these were questions i could answer yeah Yeah, because, like, we're just kind of, like, a drop in the bucket, really. Yeah. It's, we were grandfathered into this thing. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Well, on that note, <laughs> uh, I guess we can finish up with what art we're getting into these days. Max, what you got going on with your personal art practice? Um, well, I, I touched a little bit about it earlier. Um, I have a performance I'm starting to plan out for the fall of 2020 it's mm-hmm. a uh, rack funded performance um i'm excited about it because i potentially will only be choreographing um i'm oh. still i'm still like working on solidifying the other performance collaborators but um there's a potential that i will only choreograph the performance and not participate in it mm-hmm. which would be the first time i would have that opportunity and something i'm looking forward to because mm-hmm. um i've always like approached performance as like um or art making with like making what's around me Mm -hmm. and then uh, doing performance with like 
obviously like my own body is like a starting point in any performance and the thing I have access to at any time of day I don't have to like schedule time or like pay myself in order to like explore like um a practice or crafting an art um but I've always been curious about like what the art is outside of like my own body and like so much of like my ideas and like concepts and stuff aren't necessarily like specific to my own experience so it would be nice to like um explore concepts and then not have to be a participant in that exploration hmm. and potentially to allow the ideas to exist more outside of myself instead of having like to have myself representing these ideas yeah. when it's more about these ideas or this like concepts that are hopefully being constructed through performance so you want to remove the variable of your own body from this work do you feel that that creates a kind of distance and do you like that distance um i'm curious like as as this will be my first time i'm curious to see if it will create distance i'm excited for that potential distance um in terms of like on one level just as a performer with anxiety like oh it'd be nice to like sit back and watch something i created without you know, like, and witnessing in a different way versus, like, creating it, being like, oh, wow, this is something. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like, trying to, like, um, reach that level of, like, communicating an idea with other people. I'm like, all right, here's this idea. Um, like, what can be created from this idea, taking their input, too. Mm -hmm. um, and not having it being so directly being like, oh, this is, like, Max doing this thing. When it's like, here's these ideas existing um so i'm curious about that i don't think I, it's necessarily like some ultimate decision but i'm very excited to to choreograph for sure cool yeah what else you got going on um yeah like i said earlier live performance ideas mm -hmm. um that i want to start trying out um start playing with space again and like i feel like this like weight of seriousness has been lifted off and i'm like ready to like play and experiment again and not necessarily like feel like everything has to be this amazing thing yeah um so i'm ready to just like yeah like i guess like i said earlier to be like fearless again yeah um so i'm really excited about that and then my maybe my last thing is um a potential like still working on finding my performers a potential casting call for performers um if anybody that listens mm -hmm. is interested or knows people that would be potentially potentially interested in a performance um the only requirements are that they're um available and present throughout 2020 in portland um are available in the fall for performance and rehearsals um i can at least potentially if i do my numbers again potentially pay more but at least pay 30 bucks an hour mm. um okay. yeah um embodied performance um and where would people contact you if they were interested oh in that? thank you melanie stevens yeah. um they can contact me at um my instagram thalsa t-h-u-l-s-a underscore m-o-o-n um or they can email me at maximiliano.pdx at gmail.com or mcmartinez1 at pnca.edu um i'm also on facebook at maxi space miliano and this this will all be on the show notes okay yes on the show notes available too if you're interested um or know people that are interested um i'm very curious to like cast a net and see 
um, what happens. Um, but yeah, as as I freed myself from the prison of performance, I discovered a bunch of performance ideas. Okay, great. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Molly Stevens. Yes. What art are you getting into these days? <laughs> well, various things. I'm really like excited about this uh, Book of Black Femme mini-zine series I've been doing. I have one for Megan the Stallion. I have one for Nina Simone. And now I have a new one for Missy Elliott. And they're each done in styles that I conceptually think are related to each artist. Um, they're available on blackfempress.com for sale. Um, where I also sell tote bags and my comics. And I think the next mini-zine I want to work on, I can't decide if I want to do Billie Holiday or Whitney Houston. Ooh, nice. Yes. Um, I'm, so is the mini-zines an ongoing series? Yes, it's an ongoing series. Oh, oh yeah. You know how I feel about art that just continues indefinitely. Right. <laughs> um, I'm also working on... Um, Another zine series called Retribution about the ancestors of an enslaved family returning to um, enact revenge on the descendants of the plantation owners in modern day times. And that'll be like an ink, like a series of like ink drawing illustrations in mini zine format. Wow. So the ancestors of the enslaved taking revenge on the descendants of the slavers yeah shit yeah um i have several projects going with the portland arts community which i will talk more about as i can later <laughs> um but i did speak about the harriet tubman project um and um there's this ongoing piece if you're watching this is too it's too late i would i'm seeking out other venues to show that because each time it's a series of um uh, square, fa like fabric squares that I do, that I screen print images from um, popular media and black culture, um, and I stitch them together, and it's now 140 feet, and each time I show it at a new place, I add about 30 to 40 more feet. So um, it's been a, 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 like an art thing that I've been doing since 2017 so I'm looking for more venues to show that so I can add more work because there's definitely a lot of things I want to add to it so and then I'm also working on the watershed comic so oh yeah and so like with the the um the continuous piece do you feel like there's ever an end date no I love those pieces, so, like, if I looked at this piece, I would see the day it would be, like, 2017-present. Yeah. 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 That's cool. <laughs> with the dimensions variable. Yeah. In Watershed, can you speak a little bit about what's going on with Watershed? Uh, Watershed, I'm finalizing this final script, um, and I plan on spending February and my sabbatical, my self-employed sabbatical, um, working out, um, getting all of that through the copy editor and like tightening up that script and then um, finishing the thumbnails so I can start drawing. Comics are hard y'all. It's a <laughs> lot of work. It's a lot of work especially when you're one person doing it which I would not recommend. <laughs> so. And there's already a volume of Watershed out. Yes. Volume 1 Watershed is available at blackfempress.com 
or if you want to um, purchase it in person, you can go to Ori Gallery where they're also selling it. Okay, they're yeah. also selling some of my mini zines too. And do you have uh, other publications on Black Fin Press? Um, yes, I have an old uh, a collection of the webcomic that I did from 2010 to 2014 called Black Picket Fences. Um, and I also have a preview of Watershed 2 available on Black Fin Press, so you can see the beginning, the prelude. Oh, nice. Um, I also have a short graphic novella called The Walker that I did about police brutality. And I sell a bunch of tote, book, tote bags. Um, the most recent ones um, feature Toni Morrison and Missy Elliott, but I have one that features James Baldwin, Jamil Hill, and Killmonger from Black Panther. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, again, that's blackfempress.com, and that will be in the show notes, too. All right. Well, I think we have come to the end. We've been speaking for almost two hours now. Yeah, it's two hours. Wow. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a shorter one. Me, too. <laughs> we had a lot to catch up on, though. Yes, yes, we did. So, Max, you want to close us out? Um, thank you to everybody that has been listening to this podcast, to past podcasts that will listen to future podcasts. We really appreciate it. Um, Nat Turner Project has been something we've been doing for years. It's crazy to think about all the things we've done um, and where we've come. I feel really like fortunate to have ever met Melanie and to like, have been working with her, working with you. Um, I'm glad, so glad to have you back. Um, I, feel, I feel your energy. I'm excited to, to start new projects, to... Uh, to have Nat Turner Project grow. Um, we got some really cool things in the works for 2020. We do. I feel like um, one of the things I love about Nat Turner Project is we don't just, like, do the same thing. Um, we're always coming up with, like, ways to keep it interesting to us, mm -hmm. which um, I feel like will, like, feed into, like, um, new ideas and new paths, which I'm so excited about. Um, so I feel really fortunate, and um, I'm really glad to be doing this project, um, I'm glad to be doing it with Melanie. I'm glad um, we have people that even listen to our podcasts, <laughs> and for all of our future projects and all the people we will work with in the future. Thank you, thank you all. Um, I don't know if I can follow that. <laughs> First of all, thank you, Max. You have been a joy to work with. I feel like your energy and your spirit keep me young. Um. <laughs> They keep me from, like, freaking out over things. Um, and I also want to say thank you for kind of taking over when I had to step back and, like, handling all of the things. Um, I really appreciate that. Um, you really stepped up and, like, you went above and beyond, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, I, too, look forward to 2020. I think... Nat Turner Project is going to do some pretty big things soon, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I look forward to it. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So, good night, y'all. Thanks for listening. Yeah, good night. <laughs>